Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Just remember what good old Jack Burton does when the earthquakes and the poison arrows fall from the sky and the pillars of heaven shake. Yeah, Jack Burton looks that big old storm right square in the eye and he says, Give me your best shot, pal. I can take it. Welcome back. You are listening to Three Guys in a Flick. This is where we review the good, the bad, and the absurd. Tonight's episode, John Carpenter's Big Trouble in Little China. Beware, spoilers. Coming to you from the tunnels underneath the Wing Kong Exchange, my name is Don. And to my right, we have our comic book guy, John. Sooner or later, I rub everybody the wrong way. And to my left, we have the professor, Ken. Don't panic. It's only me, the professor. And joining us this evening, we'd like to welcome back Jill. Everybody relax. I'm here. All right. How are you guys doing? Uh, doing pretty darn good. good. Yeah. 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 What, what about you, Don? How are you? Well, all things being considered okay, equal. Okay, great. So let's move on. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I had that coming. Uh, tonight, we are talking about Big Trouble in Little China. This movie is actually in the Bronco Helmet. So if we ever get back to the Bronco Helmet. Not anymore. This was submitted by our listener, Tatiana. When I asked her why Big Trouble in Little China, she said that it is her brother's favorite movie. It's a fun watch. Absolutely. Yeah, a lot of people like it. Yeah. And this coincides with our round seven of the three guys search for the best classic 80s movie out there. Classic 80s action movie yeah. out there. Released on July 2nd, 1986, it was directed by John Carpenter, originally written by Gary Goldman and David Z. Weinstein, adapted by W.D. Richter, music by John Carpenter and Alan Howarth, and it stars Kurt Russell, Kim Cattrall, Dennis Dunn, James Hong, and a bunch of other actors. How'd this movie do, Don? Uh, this movie was made for $25 million, and it brought in 11 <laughs> Yeah, it didn't do too well in 86. Do you have any uh, theories on why it might not have done so well? Um, Highway to the danger zone. <laughs> yeah, but once everybody had seen Top Gun, you still... Right into the danger zone. That's you not the movie I'm thinking of, You though. just had to put a fucking quarter in, which is funny because I think, uh, isn't Top Gun the highest grossing movie of that year? Uh, yes, sir. Okay, but well, the movie you're thinking a of... a lot. Eight. What movie came out 16 days after this movie? The Golden Child with Eddie oh, Murphy. Yeah. But there was another movie, too. Aliens. Aliens came out 16 days after this one. Okay, but still, it's 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 really tough competition. You know, the, it, it is it is a really tough summer, well, and and it was going up against, you know, uh, the Top Gun, Crocodile Dundee, but also you know with your other action movies. Any idea? Cobra was also this year. 
And, yeah. and so uh-huh. Cobra, they did okay in Cobra, but then, you know, it, it falls really precipitously. And then Big Trouble in Little China, it is number 71 of the top grossing movies. There's only one other action movie that grossed even less this year. Was that Golden Child? Because I heard that that one bombed. No, sir. Highlander. Ooh. Do you know that Kurt Russell turned down the lead role for Highlander to do this movie? Well, <laughs> I'm really glad he did. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And here tell, uh, they didn't really market this film. $3 million know, they spent on marketing. Which, which is was nothing. Nothing. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it didn't get out there. It wasn't until it got released on VHS uh, that it became a cult classic and has turned uh, turned into what it is. Uh, did you guys see this in the theater? No. No. I don't recall if I did. I don't think I did. Yeah, well, neither did I. I didn't see this until it was a VHS for blockbuster sure. Blockbuster all the way. Yeah. And, and this is a really great blockbuster Friday night movie watch. Oh, absolutely. This movie is a ton of fun. And I'm just going to throw this out here now, and we can debate about it, or we can just let it ride. I personally don't think this film belongs on this list. Why? Because it's too good. It's labeled as an action film. It's not a whole lot of action. Uh, the explosions are over the top, yes, but we're dealing with a supernatural force. True. All right, so once you believe that you're dealing with a supernatural force, all bets are off. Well, John Carpenter said that when he wanted to make this as an action movie, he wanted to make it as an over-the-top parody of action movies and martial arts movies, so he tried to put in every action and martial arts trope he could think of with just you know the people on trampolines flying at each other you know the mysticism the all the little kung fu sword fights the throwing the swords things like that he tried to work out all in and was meant to come off as a campy action movie right which again doesn't belong on this list Mm -hmm. so but it's fine it's on there because we both all three of us put it on our list to get it on there i guess had i watched it earlier I would have had a different view of it. But now I'm glad that we watched it. And I am I think that Big Trouble in Little China is just too good for this list. I think it belongs with Aliens. I think it belongs with um, Die Hard. You know what does I it mean? go on the Die Hard list? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess what I'm really trying to say is that I really fucking enjoyed this movie watching it again last night. Mm-hmm. And I forgot how much fun I had. And then I started thinking, oh, John Carpenter, right? And then I started thinking, how many known directors do we have on this list that we made? That's a, that's a really interesting question. One, maybe a 0.5 with Vo- Vorhaven, but John Carpenter, really. So I, when, once I started thinking like that, I went, eh, okay, well. So we yep. should, is what it is, right? We watched it. We'll review it. It's, it's a great movie. So we should go home. We're done? Yeah, if you want to be, it takes you six weeks to come back <laughs> where I've been what? practically begging. We you need some life not. on this show. So, not. so besides big trouble, do you have another favorite John Carpenter movie? Uh, that is a really good question. And I think off the top of my head, Oh, come on. <laughs> the thing. Yes. yes. It, it's fantastic. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I love mm-hmm. the thing, but I like, Big Trouble more. 
Huh. I, I said besides Big Trouble. Right, but right, I, I understand. I'm going to actually throw this one out there, and you guys might disagree. Oh, no, I think I already know what it is, and I agree with you. It's the one that scared the crap out of me as a little kid, and I used to watch horror movies repeatedly all the time. That was my blockbuster rental every weekend since I was like eight years old was a horror movie, and none of them scared me except for Prince of Darkness. I, I don't st- know why, but that movie I just loved. I stand corrected. I thought you were going with They Live. They Live is, oh, is yeah. a good movie, but Prince of the Darkness is the one that's stuck with me even to this day. I still get a little creeped out watching that movie. Yeah. well, And Dennis Dunn's in that one, too. Yeah. So I mean, a lot of the characters are in that, in that yeah. movie. So John Carpenter easily is the most prolific director on this list, and you know we could do a whole series on John Carpenter. You know, because John Carpenter films have such a John Carpenter style. You know what I mean? He does his music, mm-hmm. and you can always tell you're watching his movie because of the music. Uh, he's uh, responsible for the Halloween theme. Mm-hmm. You know, you watch Escape from New York. Um, he actually... This, I mean, yeah. With his band, he actually sang the theme song for this movie. I know. There's a yeah. video out there. Did oh, you yeah. know that? <laughs> I, wa- I watched the video just before coming, and it's, it's weird because he got all of his director friends in it. and. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. It's it's fucking crazy. Yeah. Uh professor, do you like the John Carpenter? I am okay with John Carpenter. I don't seek him out necessarily, but I do appreciate some of his work. As I was pointing out, the thing is a really really good watch. Uh Big Trouble in Little China, Escape from New York. These are fun movies. And uh I guess more or less, you know, I watched all of his 80s stuff. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. But um, no, I don't necessarily seek him out, but I, I'm certainly not opposed to him in any way. Jill. Oh, uh, also the thing, I remember going to the movie theater with my dad to see the thing. And that, when did that come out? 82, maybe. So I was probably, 82. Good call. Yeah, very good. I was about 12 and that just blew my mind. I was it was freaked out to this day. I can almost I haven't seen it for years. And you I can know- tell you like scene by scene by scene by scene by scene by scene two scenes always jump out at me uh, when i think about the thing the first one is the test yes and then yes. the and then the uh last one is the final scene when it's kurt russell and keith david and oh really and they're just sitting out there waiting. i always i always go to oh. john i always go to john lithgow's head i thought about the dogs the dog i i think about the head too coming off and it's a spider mm-hmm. that's yes. not john lithgow though no it's not Oh, I, I thought it I was. Know who you're talking about. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. No, no, I can see. Yeah, um, yeah, the thing, man, uh-huh. all practical. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And you can kind of see some of that here in Big Trouble with uh, uh, cracked up Chewbacca right. and the spider thing that comes out, mm-hmm. and then uh, the eyeball. Yep. Yeah, the yeah. floating yeah. eyeball thing. Right. So, did yeah. you know that this movie was almost a western? Yeah, and it was supposed to be set in like 18-something. Yeah, and instead of getting his truck stolen, he was supposed to get his horse stolen yeah. and be spending the whole movie looking for his horse. Yeah, yeah. I guess those when we talked about earlier on, the original writers, they pitched it as a Western movie, and when the rights were bought and everything, John Carpenter got a hold of it, he said, no, we're going to rewrite this whole thing. So he brought in the guy to rewrite it. Uh, I think Richter, I think we said his name was. Yeah. Rick- uh, he came in and rewrote it, and John Carpenter didn't even want to give credit to the original writers because it was a brand new movie, just with similar themes in the Chinese mysticism. Uh, but I guess it went to court or went to something, and the writers won the right to be labeled still as writers of the movie. Sure. John Carpenter, what do you know him most for? Do you know him most for his writing, 
or or for his directing? I would. I or would. his music. <laughs> no, I, that's not what I asked. Directing. Me too. Yeah. I was surprised. John Carpenter has sixty writing credits, but only what? thirty-two directing credits. Wow. And he's got a bunch of music credits too. Yeah, forty. Yeah, he did the soundtrack to Halloween three. Uh, and Halloween three is the season of the witch, which has nothing to do with Michael Myers. Yeah, and that was that's a fascinating story, and we'll get into that another time. But the fact that he went in and said, "Okay, I'll fucking do the music," you know, pretty yeah. cool. Anyway, I was surprised to see that. Yeah, Kurt Russell. What can we say? You know, <laughs> I was thinking about it when I was watching it last night with his fucking awesome mullet. Uh, we had said that we didn't know if anyone was going to be cooler than Dalton. Have cooler hair. <laughs> or just overall cooler, right? Yeah. Uh, Kurt Russell's pretty yeah. fucking close. Yeah. I mean, Jack Burton's, he's a cool motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Kind of inept, but he's a cool motherfucker nonetheless. Right. He's lovable. Yes. Lovable. That's Absolutely. That's Did you hear who the producers originally wanted for the Jack Burton role? No, who was it? They wanted Clint Eastwood or Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. But John Carpenter really wanted oh, Kurt Russell. Way too old. Yeah, that's yeah. I agree. Yeah. Uh, this is, at the time, uh, the fourth collaboration for Carpenter and uh, Russell. They would go on to work one more time in Escape from L.A., but, you know, th- that was one of the director-actor duos back then that you could probably count on for uh a fun time. Yeah, I read that Kurt Russell originally turned down this movie because of his friendship with uh, John Carpenter. He had had a string of bad movies and he thought he would make this movie flop. Yeah. And John Carpenter's like, no, I have to have you in this movie. Well, he wasn't wrong. Yeah, it did flop. It did flop. So, I mean, nice try. I don't blame that on Kurt Russell or John Carpenter. I blame that, like you said earlier, on the publicity. And the fact that it was, blame it on the people, they didn't go see it. And the fact that there were so many other good movies out. I mean, how can it compete with aliens, you know, 16 days later? Well, I'm pretty sure there are seven days in a week. And I'm pretty sure that there's at least seven movies in the multiplex. Man up or woman up, however you want to put it. People up. People up. There you go. And go fucking see a movie. That's what I have to say about that. So go right now. If you're driving your car, listening to the podcast, make you turn and go see a movie right now. That's right. right. What should there you, you go. What, what should they go see? Nope. I was just gonna say that. You were you? Yeah. Uh, that's did good. you see it? Yeah. Did you see it? Yeah. Okay, we'll talk later. Yeah. We'll talk later. Uh, Kim Cattrall. What'd you guys think of? You don't like her, huh? I didn't feel like there was any chemistry between her and Jack Burton, and I wasn't impressed by her at all in this oh, movie. That's so funny because I think Jack Burton has chemistry with a wall, so he brought that. I bought it because of Jack Burton. I believe his way, you know, his style, he delivered everything great and just owned the movie. Her, on the other hand, he could have been flirting with a wall and had a better impact than her in this movie. Oh, I disagree. I disagree. Sir? I thought she was okay. I, she didn't. She didn't stick out in, in in any particular way. I didn't get a twinkle in her eye or a sense of excitement to her voice. And she certainly has a couple of lines lines that she delivers pretty deadpan. Mm. That I think uh, you know make her character fall kind of flat. But I, I wasn't opposed to her in any way. And the fact that she kept sticking around in the story, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't like her. You didn't like her. I think that like every line that she you know, said it all sounded the same, the same inflection. It was always so breathy. 
and then I have to go here. And then I'm just so much taking a breath all the time. And I was just like, okay, that's actually was annoying. Yeah. Uh, over time. I, I'm not saying she was a great actress or she made the film. I'm just saying that I bought the chemistry between her and Russell. I, I, I mean, and if that's all it was there for, then so be it. You know what I mean? <clears throat> what else? Peoples. What about his sidekick? Wing. Want, want to talk about Dennis Dunn? Is Kurt, that Dennis Dunn? Kurt Russell is the sidekick. Well, technically, yeah. <laughs> uh, Dennis Dunn, do you guys... What do you know him from? Uh, well, I, I know him from uh, Prince of Darkness, but that came out after this. He was also in... Um, he's been in a bunch of movies. Uh, the God, I can't remember the name of it. Uh, the Last Emperor, I think he was in. Um, what else was he in before this? Do you recall? I have no idea. Me neither. I didn't recognize him from anywhere. I, re I recognize the face. I know I've seen him in a bunch of stuff, but I'm kind of... with I, It escapes he, me. He's been since then, especially recently, like in the last 10 years, he's been in a bunch of movies. Oh, has he? He's, he's kind of making a, a resurgence. Oh, yeah. Good for him. He's like a grown-up short round. Kind of. <laughs> a little bit. I want to talk about a guy with credits. Talk about James Hong. We'll, we'll talk about that in a sec. One thing I do know with Dennis Dunn, do you know who they originally wanted to cast in that role, in, in Wing's role? Bruce Lee. No. No. Who? Jackie, Jackie Chan. Chan. <laughs> yeah. But there was one reason why they didn't cast Jackie Chan. Do you know the reason? Yes, because his English wasn't that great. Yeah, they thought he wouldn't be able to deliver his lines. Well, have you seen Rush Hour? <laughs> I, I love Jackie Chan. I love him just about anything. So I think he would just would have added another comedic element to it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, maybe. maybe. I, mean, why, why? I thought, I thought Dennis Dunn did a, a fine job. Yeah. I thought Dennis Dunn did a yeah, fine job. I'm doing more comedy. Yeah. Well, this movie is a comedy. It is. Yeah, that's, come it on. is. Come on. It is. It's a it's a not an action fan, it, film. It's a fantasy comedy. Yes, is what it is. Yes, with a hint of action. But then why is it sprinkled. in our action genre? Because a well, okay. So obviously it slipped through my fingers, which is fine. And you you two just didn't know any. I see it. So as it's that. fine. And I wasn't even there. So I, I like it as an action movie. So <clears throat> yeah, well, it's a classic to me. It's a classic movie. Absolutely, absolutely. James Hong, where do you guys know him from? Uh, I remember him first and foremost from being the eye doctor in Blade Runner. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. He was also in The Golden Child. Mm -hmm. and he's been in everything. Oh. He's uh, he's Poe's father in oh, yeah. Kung Fu Panda. Yep. I think he's oh, yeah. got something like, was it 97 acting credits? Um, actually, uh, higher. Is it higher than that? Yeah. It's crazy. I looked, when I looked it up on Wikipedia, they said 97, so I don't know. Well, according to IMDb, it's more than that. Wow. 454. <gasps> that makes more sense. Which is a ton. How do you? How old is he? He's and, in his 90s now, isn't he? And so how many projects is that a year? Holy shit. So I know he, out the abacus. he was on Jimmy Fallon recently for some movie he did. I don't remember which one. But he even said he's still making movies. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He is. Yeah. I was so shocked to see he had so many credits to his name. Yeah, him and the guy who played Egg uh, were both in Golden Child after this movie. Victor Wong. Victor Wong. Yeah. I, I know he him. was also in Tremors. That's where I know him. That's where I always think of him as Tremors. For sure. Truck driver Jack Burton wins a bet with his friend Wang Chi. To make sure he follows through on payment, Jack accompanies him to pick up Wang's Chinese fiancé, Miao Yin. 
where a Chinese-American street gang, the Lords of Death, tries to kidnap another Chinese girl. She is being met by her friend Gracie Law. After Jack intervenes, they take Miao Yin instead. Jack and Wang track the Lords of Death to Chinatown, where they find a funeral procession that erupts into a battle between the Chang Sing and the Wing Kong, two ancient Chinese warrior societies. When the three storms, thunder, rain, and lightning warriors with weather-themed powers appear, slaughtering the Chang Sing, Jack attempts to gun his big rig through the crowd, but runs over David Lopan, a man directing the three storms. Horrified, Jack exits his truck, but finds Lopan unhurt and glowing with magic. Wang hurriedly guides Jack through the alleys. The two escape, but Jack's truck is stolen. One of the things that this uh, plot description did not include was the very first scene where Egg is talking to the lawyer. I read that that scene was actually uh, recorded much after the filming of this whole movie because they felt that Jack wasn't portrayed as a hero enough and they wanted to really focus on making him the hero of the movie. Yeah, it's 100% true. Did you feel like that scene was even needed? Because originally the movie was supposed to start with Jack in the truck. Uh, Let me ask you this. Had you not known that, would it have mattered? I don't think that scene even mattered to me. I guess the studios went back and made Carpenter film a new scene. Yeah, it just felt like they were trying too hard to defend Jack in that beginning scene when they should have just started with him doing his thing on the CB. I think that would have been perfect for the character. Yeah, well. Yeah, what I don't understand is he was, um, you know, in that scene, it shows him with the lightning. I don't know if that's like, hey, this is what this is kind of about or why they put that in that well, he, he had to convince the lawyer, right? Oh, and yeah. he did the lightning thing. And then from that moment, you know, okay, so we're, it's supernatural. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But we never come back to that story arc about why he's needing an attorney. No. Or why he all of a sudden has that power. He might have always had that power. Yeah. They just gave the impression that, you know, Jack's being sought out for blowing up half of Chinatown. Yeah. Which yeah. really did they? I didn't see in the end of the movie. It didn't seem like they bl- they just blew up some underground stuff, but they didn't blow up all of Chinatown. Yeah, it was an unnecessary scene, yeah. and yeah. so it got forced in. Sense. It got forced into the cut, and now it's part of the movie. But after that scene, we do uh, get to meet Jack, and he's driving his uh, big rig. Uh, what do you guys think of the introduction of one Jack Burton? I thought it was pretty good. I liked it because it it gave you a sense of that, you know, is he really this hero that he's talking about or is he just a blowhard? And you kind of, you kind of get that impression of who he is. And I I liked it. I thought it worked. Okay. I I, I didn't necessarily feel like I was getting to know him necessarily. He just, he was put on screen as a, you know, a trucker that is on the road all the time. And he just passes his time talking on the radio to, you know, that's that's his entertainment. Yeah, he likes to run his mouth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My, my first thought, I'm guessing, probably when I first saw this movie, was, was this movie going to be him kind of telling this tall tale to other truckers of what had happened to him, or did it really happen? So it was kind of be left up to the audiences. But re-watching it again just the other night, you can tell that it just wasn't just a tall tale. Yeah, no. Uh, because he gets to Chinatown. He unhitches his trailer and he goes to find a game with the locals. And so this is where we get to meet um, Wang as well. 
it's pretty quickly established that he is a regular face and he is somebody that is embraced by the local community. Yeah. So during this game, uh, Jack wins big. And it turns he wins out all that, their money. Yeah, and he turned. It turns out that Wang wants to bet him double or nothing. No, he wants to bet nothing or double. Who? Oh, that's what Wang says. I don't know why he says it like that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nothing or double. He says he can. His mind and spirit are one, and he can slice through this beer bottle. Uh, I like that little bit because you know Kurt Russell says, "Don't do this." You're not. You know he knows. Don't do this, and uh, he finally accepts the bet. But then he changes the bottle out, which I thought was you know. Got into his head. Yeah, absolutely. And he goes and he tries to chop the bottle and it flies out and, you know. Quick reflexes. Yeah, it shows <laughs> it, uh, Burton's reflexes. Yeah, well, he keeps telling everybody who will listen, it's all in the reflexes. You know, that's that's his tagline. So Jack wants his money and him and Wang have to go to the airport to get it. And so they're going to pick up... Mao Yin. Meow, meow, meow Yin. Meow Yin, uh, Wang's... Fiance, Fiance. I guess so. Yeah, and this is kind of where our movie starts to kick off uh, in this airport because we also get to meet Gracie Law, played by one Kim Cattrall. And Mm. she is also, was that a good mm, or a bad mm? Mm, Bad. Right from the start, I didn't like her. What? Right from the start? Right from the start. She's, She's trying to play a character who is sarcastic and kind of a foil to Jack, and she just doesn't live up to it, in my impression. They could have found so many better actresses, I think, who could have been that comic, you know, comedic foil for Jack. So Kim Cattrall's there to pick up a refugee or she's there she as she says it she knows that another uh chinese person's coming off the plane who doesn't have anyone and she's just there to watch over her to make sure she doesn't get kidnapped oh she i don't think she has any real connection with this person yeah well guess what the lords of death street gang come in dressed to the nine and just kind of hang out and so they attempt to kidnap this gal and jack after hitting on um, Gracie unsuccessfully, uh, he gets involved and a fight breaks out. And then the Lords of Death take the wrong girl. What I love about the Lords of Death is their outfits. If nothing yeah. screams 80s more, then it's the outfits, especially the guy who has the glasses yes. with just the little white strips on them. That was the those glasses were comical. Yes. They were so funny. But they were big in the 80s, and I were never they? knew why. Not those ones. No. You don't think those were? No. Fuck no. no. They showed up on MTV all the time in videos. Nobody wore them. Nobody wore Nobody them. Nobody wore no. them. Okay. They I don't know what, dude, wah, I don't wah. know what 80s you grew up in, but the 80s we Different grew up what? in? Yeah. Didn't they appear in like in the movie Pretty in Pink as well? Oh, my Does it matter? Gosh. I don't think no. it, no, it didn't, no. no. Well, I mean, maybe. sunglasses, yes. Sunglasses aren't a new thing, but those uh, specific well. ones, yeah. I've only bad. seen them in this movie, and they were bad then, and they're bad now. So Yes. The big chase scene, and I tried to look for it this time, and I really didn't see it, but did you hear about the special way that it was filmed leaving this airport? Uh, I don't even remember there being a chase scene. I remember <laughs> the Lords of Death left, uh, Jack and Wang jump into the big rig, and then they're driving. And Well, well they go down to the parking garage. Right. Right. And then and then the car comes screeching around the corner. Oh, that's right. And Jack saves him. Mm-hmm. Do we actually get a chase chase though? 
I don't think so. I don't know, but I was reading that John Carpenter filmed everything in reverse because he oh, didn't have right. any stunt people you know, to basically sacrifice if they got hurt. So he had to use the actual actors in these scenes. So that's why he filmed all of these dangerous scenes in reverse so that they wouldn't It must have been the car one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Where they're coming and they had more than enough time to move. Yeah. And they did it at the last minute. Yeah. Uh, As I'm watching this, I'm thinking, so Jack's going to track these guys down. How? In a big rig mm-hmm. yeah it's not exactly inconspicuous it's a pretty big fucking vehicle and i love that he uh they're chasing and wang seems to know where to go and um is they get to the alley and wang's like turn right here and the turn that the truck makes that's pretty fucking impressive because that's practical right i mean that's mm-hmm. a real truck making that turn yeah and then as they turn down the alley it, it looked like a set it did you know which okay whatever yeah and but all i kept thinking was how is he gonna get the truck out of there that's what i was thinking too (laughs) it's not like you can turn around yeah you go one way yeah 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 fucking crazy and so the funeral procession comes towards us and then he doesn't try to back up at all what's the deal that's what i was thinking why not back the fuck up right yeah but he doesn't Nope. Because by the time that they realize what's kind of going on, the rival gang show up from behind them and they come creeping through too. So now we're going to have a big fight in the middle of the street. And what did you guys think of this fight scene? Was there one guy in there that you recognized? Yes. There was a bunch of guys in there that I recognized. But I think the one... Specifically. Yeah, the guy from Die Hard. Yeah. And from Lethal Al, Weapon, Al Leong. Yeah, he yeah. is freaking in everything, and I, you know, I'm a big fan of his for being that side character that just is okay with appearing in all these movies. Yeah. Did you notice that when um, they showed him, it looks like I don't know, like the the things that uh, cowboys would wear with all the like bullets, and I don't think it was really he had bullets, but he was wearing that something that looked like a from the western bandolero. Bandolero. That's Thank the you. one. Yes. Yeah. I noticed that. I was like, hey, it's supposed to be a Western, and he's wearing that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not I the character am. he's talking about, but I know which oh, character okay, you're okay, talking okay. about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because he's been in a bunch of stuff, yes. too. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So while the fight's happening, I'm thinking, don't you just sort of back out and back <laughs> away from the fight rather than just staying there watching it? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. no, they just stay and watch. Yeah. And especially when the guns come out. Yeah. Yeah. That's fucking fantastic. But I will have to admit, I did kind of chuckle to myself because, you know it's a big battle scene right you think braveheart you think lord of the rings you think these big battles and they always start with the archers right but these guys start with the guns the same thing flying Mm -hmm. projectiles right but in this battle they took the time it's like they called a timeout Mm -hmm. they said hang on everybody let's clear the dead out bring out your dead and let's have (laughs) let's have a fucking fist fight right did they run out of ammo i mean why stop shooting I don't know. That was a curious thing. They seem to have some rules set up because Wang even says in the beginning, don't make a sound because whoever made the first sound is when the attack started. Oh, yeah, well. So it's like, I don't know, maybe they had rules of, okay, we have our, you know, gun time. Now we have our fighting time where you guys have knives and we've got these poles that pop out. If you're Jack Burton, at what point do you say, fuck the thousand dollars or whatever you owe me i'm out of here 
I think the bullets would have been enough. Oh, yeah. I think at this yeah. point, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know? was wondering. When I, the- I mean, I feel bad that your fiance got taken. That's That sucks, right? Call the cops. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I, I don't know. When the guy rode down on the lightning, <laughs> um, I would have abandoned the truck at that point. I would have just said, screw it. I'm not even going to try to back this shit up. I I'm pro- getting out. I probably would have backed out. Or I probably would have tried to leave when they were cleaning up their dead. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like a good moment. Yeah. Hey, let's get let's get the fuck out of here. It's a, it's a timeout. It yeah. would have been kind of right? funny to hear like, you know, they're all kind of, you know, subtly take, and all of a sudden you hear the backup the beeping. Beep. <laughs> yeah. beep That's a whole beep. Yeah. And then just all looking over at Jack. <laughs> I take, Actually, I take Wang good. to the street and say, okay, bud, <laughs> we'll see you later. <laughs> I or You can owe me. How about mm-hmm. that? You can owe me. Uh, so this is where we meet uh, the three storms, thunder, rain, and lightning. And this is kind of the point in the film where if they hadn't given it to us with egg at the beginning with his lightning fingers, this is the point of the film where you're thinking, okay, we're, this is a supernatural realm. Chinese mysticism. This is Chinese mysticism. And this is where our story is going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. And I always wondered about those big hats that they were wearing. Why the big hats? Yeah. Why, why the big hats? Called production design. I don't know. I think I heard that they got inspiration for these characters from a, a anime series called Lone Wolf and Cub. And I guess that's kind of a Shogun kind of style of hat. Oh. And, and, and uh, as they come down and they do their little, you know, moves or whatever, <laughs> Carpenter makes it a point to get right up under the uh, hat so you can see their face mm-hmm. and give a menacing look. And so you kind of know what you're dealing with. When you get these three guys, uh, out of the three, which one was your favorite? I think I liked Rain. Which one was Rain with the long hair? Yeah. Okay. He's a swordsman. Yeah. I got to go with just lightning, just because I like the moves he did with the lightning and how they got that special effects going. I guess he was the inspiration for uh, was his name Radi- Radian Radon Raiden Raiden for uh, Mortal Kombat. Not yeah. officially. Oh. Not officially. Not officially. Okay. Uh, they. It, it's funny because the. The, the the character Raiden is based on a Chinese uh, mythical legend, uh, who uh, the god of lightning, right? And so the people who created it with Mortal Kombat say, no, it has nothing to do with uh, Big, Big Trouble in Little China. It's a coincidence, maybe the hat, right? But if you look at it, and if you look at the parallels, Jack Burton is Johnny Cage. Uh Wang is Liu Kang. And uh, Lu Pan? Huh? Lu Pan is Shang-Chi. Mm-hmm. Or, I just, you know which one I'm talking yeah. about, right? I've heard, I've heard that a lot. Too. Right. So, I mean, not officially they're the basis mm. of, but come on. Yeah. Come on. Jill, right there. do you have a favorite? I, I think lightning, too. The way he comes down and holds on to lightning to come down, I think that's that's pretty cool. You? Uh, I think I liked rain. I think I liked the look and... Um, his fighting style. Uh, the one I didn't like was Thunder. Thunder. He just seemed yeah. clunky. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's a discount uh, Chong Lee. <laughs> he spends a lot of time yelling and flexing. Yes. And throwing temper tantrums. Yes. Yes. And I, okay, we'll get there at the end. But uh, yeah, so we meet the three and then we meet David Lopan. He is our bad guy for this movie. Our over the top bad guy. Mm-hmm. Well, it's supernatural. Everything's going to be over the top. Mm-hmm. So, and then Jack tries to run over him, and he does. 
But then when he gets out of the truck, he gets, uh, you know, the rays of light and he goes blind like Han Solo for a minute. And so then they escape. They get out of there. But he gets his eyes cleaned out with muddy water. I was just going to say, but what kind of a dick is Wang, right? (laughs) If either of you guys were blinded by Chinese magic, I'll get you some fresh tap water. Yeah. Okay. Not just gonna splash some, some water on the you, ground. Yours or, maybe. Like a, I might might I might do fecal water for you. But it's I mean, come on, they crawl around in the fucking sewers too. Yeah. Right? That's nasty. But somehow but we'll get there. Uh Jack's hair always stays perfect. Always. Of course. Yeah. I'm telling you, he's got fucking want, great hair. I want to know what product he has in his hair because even swimming underwater, he comes out with his hair dry <laughs> and perfect. It's sewer water. That's what yeah. he puts in his hair. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I think the next Kurt Russell movie we talk about gives him a run for his money on that. But we'll get there when we get there. Wang takes Jack to his restaurant where they meet with Gracie, her journalist friend Margot, Wang's friend Eddie Lee, and magician Egg Shin, a local authority on mysticism and low pan. They explain to Jack, who only wants his truck back, the ancient knowledge and sorcery the Chinese brought with them to America. The group devise a plan to infiltrate a brothel where they believe Miao Yin is held. They break in, but are interrupted by the storms who kidnap Miao Yin and take her to Lo Pan. Jack and Wang track down the front business used by Lo Pan and impersonate telephone repairman to gain access, but they are quickly subdued by rain. After being tied up and beaten by thunder, the two men meet Lo Pan. However, he now appears as a crippled old man. So they figure out that Lopan is the bad guy and Jack gets brought up to speed on what they're dealing with. But he's having troubles buying any of it. Well, yeah, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Well, he just saw that happen, though. I mean, these guys were coming down from the sky. How is he at this point? I'm like, nah, I still don't buy it. Because he has a chance to leave. Yeah. You know? But I do like the bit when he's on the phone with the insurance people. Yeah. You know, because his main concern is his truck. Absolutely. That's his baby, right? That's his livelihood. Yeah. I do like his response of, I'm I'm a reasonable guy, but I've just experienced some very unreasonable things. And that's kind of a great way to Mm -hmm. sum it all up, Mm -hmm. right? So this is where we also get to meet uh, Gracie a little bit more, Margo and Eddie. So now we have a group of people. What was the point of of Eddie? Uh, To be... Comic relief, maybe. What was I, the point of Margot? I, I I kept thinking originally wasn't Gracie supposed to be the reporter, and then all of a sudden we're getting introduced to an actual reporter that's working with Gracie. I didn't get Gra- it. Gracie's the lawyer. Is she that? Is that she's a yeah. lawyer? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's in her name. Yeah, it's oh. in her name. That's Gracie Law. Yeah, it just seemed convenient. weird to all of a sudden introduce these two other characters who make really no difference to the movie in the end. What did they say Eddie was there for? Was he related to somebody? Uh, he is related to, I think he's Wang's cousin. Yeah. Something like that. Because he, he calls him Uncle Eddie, yeah. I think. Yeah. And he yeah. runs the restaurant or something? Something like that. Yeah. So he's family, basically. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And Margot is the reporter right. who's getting the story. So that's why they're there. They have reasons for being there. But the story takes a turn, a supernatural turn. Yes. Yes, it fucking does. And so they come up with this idea. Jack agrees to help. And they're going to. Well, he wants his truck back. Well, yeah, so he'll do whatever it takes, I guess. You know what I mean? And so they go and um, 
they come up with this plan and they infiltrate the brothel. And did you ever see the movie Used Car Salesman? Used cars or used cars? Yeah. I guess the outfit he's wearing when he goes and infiltrates the brothel is the same one from Used Cars. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, all, sure. It, yeah, I see that now. And it kind of also takes me back to uh, the computer who wore tennis shoes a little mm, bit. Maybe yeah. it, it's uh, the hair. The old Disney one. Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Jack gets in and he starts asking management, you know, what kind of girl. And he's looking one for green eyes. And um, I kind of loved his acting style of being that business, how he sees a business person. You know, I'm kind of interested in something a little different and i just i like that whole he has the glasses that whole scene yeah Yeah, he's he's getting into character and so as it turns out they are holding meow yin and just before you know he can find out what's really going on the storms show up and they kidnap her because she's got the green eyes she's got the green eyes and apparently the green eyes are integral to this story yeah i've been told uh or so i read that do not watch this movie in HD because yep. if you do, you can see the green contacts over her brown eyes. They both have brown eyes, Kim mm-hmm. Cattrall and Meow yeah. Yin. Meow Yin. Yeah. That's so, a good reason not to watch the movie. Yeah, they said <laughs> not. That, that kind of, you know, damages the credibility of the movie. <laughs> All of it. The credibility? <laughs> the credibility. Well, I was into it until then. Well, then he checked out. Oh, for fuck's sakes. <laughs> How do they know she had green eyes? Like, how did yeah. Lil Pan know that? I I'm, I, I kind of pondered about that as well. It's Chinese like, mysticism. Uh, no. So she gets kidnapped, right? Oh, it and was so the floating whoever, head <laughs> in China. <laughs> Wait, we haven't gotten there yet. We don't even know this thing exists. You know what it fucking reminded me of? The fucking laser ball in uh, Star Wars. Yeah. The one Luke uses to train with. Mm-hmm. On the Millennium Falcon? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's what that little eye thing fucking reminded it me of. reminded me of any D&D movie you ever watched called The Eye of the Beholder. And so they figure it out and they deduce that she had to have been taken to Lopan's uh, warehouse thingamadoodle, his empire, I guess you will. And they borrow a uh, idea out of Bruce Lee's movie, The Chinese Connection. Mm-hmm. where he pretends to be a telephone repairman and they get in and they start looking around and this is kind of where, you know, kind of gets weird. Things do get a little hokey here, like the elevator filling up with water and then them prying the elevator doors open. I'm wondering when you see an elevator start to fill up with water, wouldn't you try to pry the doors open right away? Not if you're in a John Carpenter movie. Mm. Okay. And how long can you hold your fucking breath? I don't know, but again, he gets out of that water and his hair is perfect. Yeah, well, I mean, fuck, come on. Isn't it hard to pry open elevator doors? You'd think. It is. Especially with water. Not in a John Carpenter movie. Well, I'm thinking, too, Lopan may not have, you know, bought the most expensive equipment. (laughs) That's what went through your head? Ancient Chinese equipment. That's funny. Ancient ancient Chinese secret. (laughs) No, what what Jill said, ancient Chinese Chinese equipment. equipment. Yeah. And then they swim through the different hells. And yep. and so and then they get caught. They get tied up and they get introduced to Lopan himself. I like this exchange. Lopan as a mortal figure, mm-hmm. all old and decrepit. I thought the makeup looked really good. Mm-hmm. And uh, James Hong, he just went for it. He was so 
persnickety and kind of just, he's just kind of an asshole, right? But he's 2,000 years old and he's just that crotchety old grandpa. Cranky. Cranky, yeah. yeah. Every review I've read on this movie has all agreed that uh, James Hong basically stole this, like every scene he was in, he stole. It was like his movie at that point. Well, that's a matter of opinion. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. I, I, I really enjoyed him. Mm-hmm. I thought he was great. I did too. I thought that he was probably uh, the strongest character outside of Jack. Well, you had you have to have a pretty uh, strong antagonist, especially in a supernatural. Right. Well, and this is a, a trope that we're expecting to see as well in this genre that we are exploring. Why are they in wheelchairs? That cracked me up. What's up with the whole wheelchair <laughs> angle of things? They're wicker, wicker again. Wicker wheelchairs. Say yeah. that ten times fast. I assume that's maybe one of the things that the factory made. Oh, maybe. But that's so weird, though. Yeah, and I then never he thought comes about up it. in a wheelchair, and then I'm like, "Are they going to race now?" Or <laughs> race the, down <laughs> the one thing I didn't get, and again, it's a Jane, you know John Carpenter movie. It was scripted that way. Why did they keep him around? Why didn't they just kill him like he kills everybody else in those different hells yeah. and everything? Was he going to sacrifice them or something later? That He just kept saying, you know, keep them around for this reason. They never revealed what they needed them for. Who knows why madmen do what they do? You had to know they were probably going to escape at some point. Well, maybe. Maybe. Or he thought that he was going to win and he overcompensated. He like witness- most villains do. He needed witnesses for the wedding? I don't know. Uh, no, well, no, because all of his dojo showed up for the mm-hmm. wedding. So They didn't stick around for the wedding. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, it was funny that, all right, let's move the prisoners here. Now let's move them there. In wheelchairs. In wheelchairs. <laughs> I think the wheelchairs were there for the scene where uh, he still, oh, they pretend that he's in the wheelchair and then he goes down and it almost goes into the well. Mm-hmm. They needed a wheelchair for that and he was in it. Like, all of it was a setup for just that stunt. Probably. Yeah, maybe. But it was weird. So they get thrown into a dungeon-esque type place, and uh, Jack manages to get free. And he, from his wheelchair. Right. Well, he's got his boot with his knife hiding place. Yes, his, his trusty knife. And he gets free, and he cuts uh, Wang free. And then they hear someone coming. And so naturally they get back into the chair and play that, you know, they're still captured. And yeah. it's thunder. And, and it's fucking thunder, right? So I'm thinking, oh, what the fuck's going to happen now? And here's where I didn't like thunder before, but now I really don't care for thunder. What's with him and his expansion? That's his ability. He can just expand? He can get bigger and expand, yeah. That seems weird. Wang tells Jack that Lopan needs a green-eyed girl to break an ancient curse, and he intends to sacrifice Miao Yin. Centuries ago, Lopan was defeated in battle by Emperor Qian Shi Huang. He cursed Lopan with incorporeality. Although Lopan can be temporarily granted a decrepit body by supplications to the gods, he can permanently break the curse by marrying a woman with green eyes and sacrificing her. Jack and Wang's friends attempt to save them and are also captured. After getting the drop on Thunder, Jack, Wang, and Eddie escape and free women kept in cells. An orangutan-like wild man recaptures Gracie before she escapes. Lopan notes that Gracie has green eyes too and decides to sacrifice her while making Yao Men his wife. You know what I really dug? I really dug how 
uh, Wang had the audience, he told us what we needed to know. Mm -hmm. At the same time he was telling Jack all the way through the story, he is telling us what we need to know and why this uh, story is unfolding the way that it is. Yeah. And so I thought that was an important story arc to have him in here to help us understand what this story is all about. Why does he know all this information? It's inconsequential because all we need to know, it is what it is, and that's why we are getting what we're getting. Yeah, and we also need him because he's the hero. What I also like is normally in the movies, like you're saying, we get some kind of narration from one of our characters. Jack also represents the audience's skepticism of, oh my God, this is pretty far-fetched and hard to believe. Especially when he calls out uh, Lopan for, it's taking you this long to find a woman with green eyes. You know, you're doing something wrong, Dave. What'd you think of all the like Scooby-Doo chase scenes through the factory and then getting to where they fought the two women guards and all that? Uh, it was fine. It was fun. Uh, nicely staged, nicely uh, choreographed. I think that Wang led us to believe that he wasn't that great of a fighter, and then yeah. he turned around and he's a badass. He's a yeah. fucking badass. Yeah. He's clean. He's cleaning house. Especially so, that one scene where Jack couldn't get his gun going, and while he's trying to get his gun fixed, the safety turned off. Oh, uh, right. Wang yeah, just yeah, clears when, the room. When yeah. they're on their escape, yeah. This kind of leads me to believe that Jack maybe isn't really as action hero-y as I thought he was. Yeah, he's not the hero of the movie. No. Nope. The scene where they free all the women from the cages, did you catch that Gracie was the only one tied up and gagged? Yeah. Yes. Do you know why she was oh, the only one? Because she was, uh, oh, they say it there like she was a wild cat. There right? was an extra scene that they cut from the movie that explained it, that she was constantly pestering the guards and saying things to them about oh. police coming and all this stuff to the point where they got so annoyed with her, they tied her up and gagged her. Oh. And I guess Kim Cattrall described it as she had to be tied up for like 11 hours a day while they were filming those scenes. And so every few hours they had to pull her gag down, give her water and you know, deal with her. But she had to sit there tied up for all the filming. That's, that's what happens when you make a movie. Yeah. She got paid. Yeah. Why do they have all those girls in dungeons? Oh, I pondered that too. It's kind of dark. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's just, just a little dark. A, a weird turn for the movie, but you know, so, you're dealing with human trafficking mm -hmm. and sex slaves mm -hmm. and you know, it's, it's a comedy. Yeah. So comedy that writes itself. A comedy that <laughs> writes itself. Yeah. So they free uh, the women and they free, you know, their friends and they're making their escape and they get to dive into uh, crystal blue sewer water. <laughs> well, it's not even the fact that that's bothersome that it's sewer water. All the dead bodies have been soaking like stewing in this water for however long to the point where their, you know, skin has rotted off their bodies yeah, well, it's in this water that they're swimming through. It's crystal blue, though. So, yeah. I mean. Yeah. Good chlorine? I guess. I guess. And so they make their escape. And uh, this is where uh, Gracie and Jack have their first kiss. As soon as he pops up out of the shitty water, <laughs> they embrace and lock lips. Well, he kisses her. What did I just say? So at the bit right before they get out and they're and they're running out and you get the close up of the statue and you see the eyes get taken out of the statue. So Scooby Doo. Yes. Mm -hmm. A lot of that yes. whole running around reminded me of Scooby Doo. Yeah. Yeah. I almost could play the Scooby Doo music in the background while they were 
Yeah. What did we think of the uh, thing that took her? The wild man. Wild man. Cracked out Chewbacca. Yeah, that's what we were saying the whole time when we were watching it. Yeah. Yeah. I. That was. He was supposed, to, I guess, represent a yeti. Yeah. Sure. <sighs> Yeah, the yeah, Chinese, Chinese version, the Chinese, uh, Chinese Yeti, okay. is what I read. Yeah, okay. Because um, he he does reappear in the comic book. I was I was wondering at that point maybe they had extra props left over from <laughs> the thing, or one of other John Carpenter's movies, and they just threw them in here. I don't know. Uh, I a guess, lot of this I mean, movie kind of felt like that. Well, yeah, and so you know, with this movie and the subject matter and what we're dealing with, it didn't surprise me. Yeah. It didn't take me out of it, yeah. that's for sure. It's just it's uh, just as, another part of the ride. As soon as it happened, uh, right afterwards, I said, that just happened because it's a John, it's a John Carpenter movie. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. And same with the other uh, beasts and right. things oh, the, that we the get thing that later jumped on. out in the sewer. Yeah, yeah. When, when they go down below and that big fish thing comes out of the wall, that was my initial thought. Oh, John Carpenter. Now, I the fact, again, you know, like I said, I'm not a big fan of Gracie Law, that she sees this, that they've just been kidnapped. She's been tied up for mm-hmm. however long, right. and they're all about to make their exit, and the statue part starts moving, and she stops to check it out. <laughs> She's a lawyer, yo. If, if I saw that statue thing start moving, I'd be hightailing it out of there. Yeah, well, you Thinking, wouldn't be there. the bad guys. <laughs> All, all I have to say is I feel sorry for Julie if you guys didn't get into some sort of a perilous situation because before she knows it, she's standing there by herself. Oh, we've had the discussion of who can run faster. I'm going to put my money on Julie. A hundred percent. She she tripped me. She's already told me. I tell people all the time, when the zombies come, I don't have to be faster than them. I just got to be faster than you. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there you go. Wang and Jack regroup with the Chang Sing and Egg Shin and enter a cavern to return to Lopan's headquarters. Egg pours the group a potent potion. They interrupt the wedding and start a battle. Wang kills Rain in a sword duel while Jack and Gracie chase Lopan. Wang joins them. Lopan attempts to kill Jack with a throwing knife, but Jack catches it and kills him with a throw to his head. Thunder, who had been distracted with Wang, reappears and, enraged at finding Lopan dead, swells up and explodes. Jack, Wang, Gracie, and Yao Min are cornered by lightning in a corridor, who triggers a collapse. Egg rescues them with a rope and kills lightning by dropping a Buddha statue on him while he tries to follow. After finding Jack's truck and dealing with the remaining Wing Kong guards, the group escape back to Wang's restaurant. The group celebrates in the restaurant. Wang and Yao Men prepare to marry while Eddie pairs with Margot. Egg sets off to take a vacation. Gracie offers to join Jack, but he leaves alone. Unbeknownst to him, the cracked out Chewbacca survived the battle and has stowed away on his truck. Roll credits. All right, so they have to go back and rescue Miao Lin and Gracie. And this time they're going in with the gang and Egg. Uh, what would you guys think of this bit where he gives them the... The smoky potion? The smoky potion. Out of the gourd? Yeah. Do you think it did anything? No. You don't think so? Psychosomatic. It's all in your head. I assumed it was just like a shot of espresso. Yeah. It just woke him up is all it did. 
I love the I love the way it makes Kurt Russell feel though. Because I like how they're talking to the liver. Yeah, I feel good. You feel good. That was I feel good. good. I feel kind good. of invincible. And then <laughs> and the wings like yeah, it's like liquid Viagra or something. Yeah, that's fucking awesome. So they go and they interrupt the wedding. Well, first of all, let's talk about this scenery. For a guy who upstairs, you know, has wicker wheelchairs mm-hmm. and everything's all drab and broken down. Guy sure has a lot of neon downstairs. Well, that's the only place he can keep it. Didn't it feel like he's walking into an arcade or something? Yeah, that like a mall. It was like Vegas. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah with the big escalator yeah. that goes into yes. the mouth. Uh huh. That's totally 100%. Vegas. Totally Vegas. Before yeah. Vegas was Vegas. Yeah. Uh, it's Vegas now that it's, it's Vegas. A, yeah. yeah. What's the actor's name that played Lopan? James, James Hong. Hong. James Hong said that that escalator was a death trap. He was so afraid of it because as he's coming down it. The way he had his costume, he couldn't look down at his feet, so he's always afraid he was going to fall down that escalator. Yeah, I believe it. Or what about his cloaks getting stuck in the mm-hmm. gears? Yeah. There's always some kid at the mall. We have to teach him to fear and respect that escalator. <laughs> so we also have a bit where we're intercutting with Lopan and his weird little ritual, getting the girls ready for the for the welding. Yeah, this bit was a bit long for me, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, so. I thought it was a little superfluous. Oh, I also yeah. thought it was a little weird that he expresses that he loves Mount Miao Yin. That, you know, don't run away. I love you. Yeah, well, I mean, he he's old. He's looking for love, and he's been looking for love in the wrong places. She is pretty hot in though. the wrong eyes. Yeah, so she's hot. Which one? Miao Yin. Miao Yin. Yeah, I can. Yeah. You can see it. You yeah, that? yeah. If she, well, if he's two thousand. Yeah, but he's got the best of both worlds, right? Because he's got to sacrifice one yeah. of them. Yeah. Well, if there was only one, he'd have to sacrifice her too. So the sacrifice has to be made in order for him to appease the emperor. So he can keep Miao Yin and just kill Gracie Law. Right, that's, that's what I'm saying. Too. He had the best of both worlds. They were the first two to actually survive the flaming sword test. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the, that's the only reason why we were able to move on. All the other green-eyed ladies that he's had over the centuries... None of them obviously were able to pass the test. Yeah, I guess so, they or there just wasn't any die. chemistry. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. If they didn't, whatever. you know, click or anything. Meh. Why did um, Gracie wake up? Remember how they were in, you know, with yeah. the... Yeah, she was awake, but Miao Lin stayed, and then she closed her eyes again, and then... Uh, because they came in. Yeah. And then they did something, and her eyes turned white, and she was under the spell again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She probably has uh, strong willpower. Just stubborn. Yeah, just stubborn. I guess. You know. Be. That's like, you know, it's the same reason uh, that the Jedi mind trick doesn't work on everybody. So, um, so they get to the, they get to the marriage, they get to the welding and then everybody yells and then the fight begins. Well, the needle thing with him jabbing the needle. Did you read about that scene at all? Mm -mm. I guess uh, James Hong got a little too excited with the needle and was Actually stabbing Miao Yin in that finger How was he stabbing with that her? Was, is, was, was she he doing stabbing it like this? Like, repeatedly? like you were hard. Okay. Yeah. Like that? Yeah. yeah. He shouldn't have even been able to do that. Yeah. Because he can't transubstantiate. He doesn't have a fucking physical form. And before you start saying the the ritual had already begun, bullshit. I call bullshit a thousand percent. His, his Lord was already starting to make him nope. whole again. Nope. Because of what he was doing. No plot hole. Yeah. There you go. So the little meatball with eyes. Oh my God. I I didn't like it. 
I didn't either. I, I didn't it was see annoying. the point of it. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Uh, do you know that thing cost over a hundred grand and was in the movie for maybe thirty seconds? Nineteen eighty-six, a oh. hundred grand. I mean, that goes a long way. Yeah. Right? I did like it when its tongue eyeball came out and licked its. I think face. that and that was probably the most expensive shot too, mm-hmm. right? But I guess if you have it, you got to put it in there, kind of like drone footage. <laughs> <laughs> So then it, it sees them, and then that's when they're like, oh, and then, like you said, everybody was. Well, anything it sees, nobody. Lopan sees. Yeah, yeah. And so we get the big fight. So nobody here has never thought, and then they started to kung fu fighting. Nothing? Really? No. Like, when I was watching it, that's all. I'm like, everybody started kung fu fight. No. Sorry, Jill. No, I didn't think of kung no, fu fighting. I really? feel like it's a missed opportunity. Yeah. So. Yeah. Did you think of it? I did not think of it, but I did. Uh, I had troubles the first time, few times I saw it with real not realizing that they really were trying to gimmick up the kung fu, you know, tropes of martial arts tropes of you know the people on the trampolines yeah. and the fighting. He was trying to work in every over the top martial well, arts scene he could and, think of. And it's at this point where I thought the potion did work because fucking Wang's flying. Yeah. The Wang, <laughs> Wang! It, oh my gosh! Out of nowhere, he, yeah. Him in range, it's, it was it was comical having them just fly back and forth across the screen over and over again. Ching 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 with the swords. Reminded the, me of Crouching Tiger, yes. Hidden Dragon. A little bit, a yes. little bit. That's yeah. probably where they drew the inspiration mm-hmm. from. Maybe they yeah. could they could only fight each other if they were up in the air. Right, they couldn't <laughs> do it on the ground. Right, heaven forbid we'd be on the ground. And we had the scenes with. Uh, Egg, you know, lightning throws a lightning bolt him, and egg pulls out the little metal disc to the reflect little fan, it. Yeah, the fan. and then they do the little Nintendo thing with the fighters, yeah. and then they do totally. the whole, you know, uh, it reminded me of Sp- Scott Pilgrim mm-hmm. when oh, they, the yep. the fifth and sixth Evil X they do the the battle, mm-hmm. and they each have like an avatar, yeah, each other. the music one, right? And that and that's what this was, um, that's what this was, but way before the fucking time, yeah. right? Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. And this kind of goes back to again where why I don't think this movie belongs on our 80s action list is because we didn't have a great big action hero because he was too busy shooting the fucking ceilings, getting knocked (laughs) out, and then getting fucking trampled and stuck on this big guy for half the fucking fucking fight. But I know you say that's one of the reasons why it doesn't belong on this list, but if you take him and consider him the sidekick... And consider Wang our action hero mm-hmm. of this movie. I think it goes back on the list because Wang is fighting during this a whole movie. A movie macho hero with quotable one-liners played by a recognizable star. There's a lot of our movies that don't have a lot of great one-liners. We still get the movie macho okay, you know, hero. No, Dennis you, Dunn. You don't yeah. feel Dennis Dunn is macho? Okay, clearly he's not understanding what I'm saying. Someone help him, please. Oh, that he's not the sidekick. No, God damn it. You can't, you're not getting it either. <laughs> Dennis Dunn is not a recognizable yeah. star. At this point. Oh. Even, at, at that point, he wasn't at the fucking recognizable star. Even less so than Peter yeah. Weller. So, and we allowed mm. Peter Weller. So, that's all I'm saying. Burton is fun, and he's lovable, and I dig him. He, I think this is one of Kurt Russell's best roles. He just doesn't do much. You mm. know, he's there for eye candy and good times, I guess. Yeah, and now, he, granted, he does make the final kill. I say that's his big moment in the movie. Yeah, it just but it's one moment with the lipstick on his face. <laughs> no, she funny. takes it off. Oh, does yeah, she take she it does. off? Yeah, yeah. 
But it was funny, she, though. She couldn't let him go into battle with <laughs> lipstick all over his face. I Which was, was pretty funny. pretty good. Yeah. That was pretty good. Yeah, I like that. Now, if you were to cosplay Jack Burton, would you do it with the lipstick or without? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think you should have the lipstick I on. agree. I think I should, too. Yeah. I think that, mm-hmm. I think that color of red looks really good on me. Uh, the only problem is I don't have the hair. Oh, there's wigs out there. You got time to grow it out. You think so? I don't know if I would want to walk around Comic-Con cosplaying in a tank top. Okay, but you wouldn't necessarily have to only have the tank top. You could have the tank top wearing a jean jacket on top of it. Mm -hmm. Don brought that up earlier. But what if it gets too hot? Then I got to take it off. Okay, tell me this. Do I get the boots? You don't want to show off your cannons? All right, fair enough. Do Do I get the boots with the plastic knife that Kurt Russell had in his mouth. 100%. Yes. Okay. You saw that it was fucking plastic, right? When he's crawling through the tunnels, oh. having the A, he fucking sharp, he takes 8 hours to sharpen it and then he puts it in his mouth. Is he trying to joker himself? Is he trying to cut himself all up? No, swimming with that in, you'd think that'd be a little tough. And he was swimming with it, yeah. which means mouth. his mouth was open in the sewer water. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. But if you look at it real closely, you're like Oh, wow. A, that's really fucking thick. And B, that's totally plastic. But I don't care because it's a fun John Carpenter movie. All right. So they have their fight and Jack kills Lopan. Well, first, uh, Dennis Dunn, Wang, kills Rain. What do you think about the whole throwing the sword up and killing him? It was was a move. Is that how he kills him? Yeah, he lands. Oh, that's right. and 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 he throws it up and... Hey, Wang's the man, right? So we have to start getting rid of these guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after Jack kills Lopan, they all go into predator mode. Oh wait a yeah. minute! What about what about Lopan's death? Did you like that? I thought it was a, it was for me. You know, on our list we talk about oh crap death. I didn't see the fact that you know when Jack throws the knife the first time and misses, and you know Lopan picks up and throws it back. I didn't see that quick catch throwback coming. You know, right into the head. I didn't think they were going to kill him off that quick. You were on your phone, weren't you? <laughs> no, I'm talking about the first time I saw this movie when I didn't have a cell phone. I I love that bit when he misses and that look. Like, <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> so classic. I just dug Lopan having the dagger in his head, in his forehead. Oh, sure. sure Man, was, that's a good throw to ha- get through the bone. I was going to say, that's hell of a what, shot. Yep. You didn't feel that that was an old crap death? No, not really. Okay. I think the oh. I don't even know if there is an old crap death in this. And if I had to pick one, it would be the next one that we're going to talk about. The temper tantrum. Yeah. Um, Like I said, uh, after Lopan dies, they kind of, Thunder goes into what, self-destruct? Well, before that, even before Lopan dies, I love the fact that, you know, they have been kind of building up Wang as this martial artist, kick-ass guy. And really all he's doing is running away from Thunder during this whole scene. He's just running back and forth that into the comical. different rooms. You, you <laughs> yeah, know it was that meant to be there's comical. people just out the side, you know, the door frame throwing shit. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. What, totally what it looked like. For sure. For sure. And so... uh Thunder goes all self-destruct. I didn't understand it. I, I didn't get it. And well, his master died, so he's killing. He it's, got it's a, rage. It's a uh, samurai thing that whenever your master dies, you basically commit the ritual suicide too and kill yourself. Oh, well, uh, Rain was already dead, so it didn't I'm matter. Hold my breath. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like the steam coming out the nose and everything. That was. 
That was pretty cool. I mean, it's practical. So, I mean, it's a good effect. But I don't know. Kind of a kind of a weird way for him to go out because lightning doesn't go out like that. Lightning no. gets a Buddha dropped on his forehead. Mm-hmm. Um, Wang or Egg magically appears up in the rafters to save everyone. Mm-hmm. Hey, it was hard for so. him getting up there. That's what he said. And, um, you know, they narrowly escape. And as they escape, everything just kind of blows up. And then they run out and they jump into Egg's bulletproof bus because as soon as they get into the bus the entire security office i guess when where were these guys this whole time well wasn't that earlier on that they get in the bus this time they actually get into his truck and leave in his truck yes oh you're fucking right it's the first time they escaped they got into the bus i meant to bring up the bulletproof bus back then but you're right they find jack's truck and he's like my truck and they get in and he goes oh i don't have the keys and then gracie comes through yeah. She goes, don't you have a uh, spare set? And he's like, yeah, but it's in the... And then it dawns on him right where it's at. Kurt Russell plays that bit really well. He does. So they escape, and they live happily ever after. Well, with the wild man, the cracked-out Chewbacca... Cracked-out Chewbacca. ...hiding in the back of the truck. Yeah. Now, do you know there is technically a sequel to this movie? Uh, it's a comic book. I wouldn't say it's a sequel to the movie. It is... Developed by the same writer. Right, but I mean, and yeah. it goes on to explain what happens next. Do you want to know what happens next? I know what happens next. What happens next? Uh, the cracked out Chewbacca had a life debt with Lopan, and after Lopan died, whoever killed him, the cracked out Chewbacca is now attached to that person. Oh. So the comic book is just further adventures of Jack Burton and, and cracked out Chewbacca. Yeah. I, see, I would, I would read that. Only if it had cracked out Chewbacca on the title. Yeah. I don't think we're going to get that Mm. licensed. They even did a crossover of Jack Burton with uh, Snake Plissken. Oh, interesting. I guess it didn't do too well. Probably not. So they go back to the restaurant and uh, Wang and Mao Yin are preparing to marry. We find out that Eddie and Margo are going to hook up. (laughs) Well, they're going to date. Well, same thing. They're hooking up. They're hooking up. Egg heads out. He's going to see some sights. I like what he says uh, to Jack. Jack says, why don't you go visit China and the motherland? Oh, yeah. And Egg says... Uh, China lives in a, in him. In mm-hmm. him. And wherever I go, she goes. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really... Poetic. Uh, yeah, I thought it was really well said. What about when uh, someone says, aren't you even going to kiss Gracie? And he says, no. Yeah. I'm not. It's like a smooth, suave move. I would have done the same thing. And then as Jack's driving off, he gives us one of his little stories. And isn't then we the find one, out. Isn't that the one you did the quote in the beginning? Yeah. And then uh, we find out that Cracked Out Chewbacca is at the, uh, in the back of the rig and cut to black. End of movie. Did you catch when Lightning gets the Buddha on his head, the Chinese character that appeared? Yeah. And you caught that what that translated? Carpenter. Yeah. So yeah, it, was it, was a, it was a little nod to the director. So that's going to wrap up Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, do you guys have anything else you want to add, Professor? No, I got anything. Chill? Nope. All right, fucker. What is it? And now it's time for John's... Moment. This is the point in our podcast where I take any movie that we are reviewing and compare it to the greatest movie series ever made, Lord of the Rings. So I'm just going to start with the easy ones. 
Middle Earth? Well, obviously, that's Little China. Mordor? That's Lopan's building, the Wing Kong Exchange. And Mount Doom? Well, that happens at the wedding ceremony. Let's start with the Fellowship. The Fellowship consists of Jack Burton, Wang Chi, Egg Shen, Eddie, Gracie, and Margot. Now, this is where things get a little messy. Big Trouble gives us the initial appearance that Jack Burton is the main hero of the movie, when in reality, this movie is really about Wang Chi saving his fiancée Miao Chen from the clutches of the evil sorcerers bent on universal domination. Jack, even with his superhero mentality, is really the sidekick of this movie, making Wang Chi our Frodo and Jack our Sam. Now you might be thinking, but John, Jack Burton kills the big bad in this movie. Doesn't that make him Frodo? Not necessarily. Frodo destroyed the ring, which killed Sauron. But Lopan was not Sauron. And remember, it was Sam that cleared the way for Frodo to accomplish his main goal. Sam even carried Frodo to complete his journey. So who is Lopan in big trouble? He's Sauron the White. While Lopan is the big bad guy of this movie, he serves another master. His master is Chang Dai, which makes Chang Dai Sauron. And this also makes the Urukai Lopan's top henchmen, Thunder, Rain, and Lightning. Now, as for Merry and Pippin, for the majority of the movie, they are represented by Gracie Law and Margot, while while they're part of the team, they aren't much help and serve more as comic relief. For Gandalf, my pick is Egg Shen, as he is the good wizard of the film. For Aragorn, the character who does demonstrate leadership and bravery, well, I'm going to award that to Jack Burton as well, because his ego deserves it. And in, at least in his own head, that's how he'd see himself. So what is the precious, the one ring? With Wang Chi as our Frodo, the ring is represented by Wang's nerves and self-doubt over Mao Yin that dampens his chi. The ring's corruption, his self-doubt, is first demonstrated when he tries to cut the bottle in half. He later noted this, that his mind and spirit were out of sync, and that had to do with Mao Yin. It's remedied when he drinks Egg's elixir and feels good in the elevator on the way to the final battle. He overcomes these issues and it allows him to take out rain. So that is my comparison of Big Trouble to Lord of the Rings. Bring on the grades. Hmm. Uh, you know, the, the Mordor middle, so-so. Uh, I like the Saruman the White and Gandalf. And I would agree that Sam would have to be Jack Burton. But outside of that... Uh, B minus. Oh, that's pretty I'll good. I'll take it. I like the comparisons. I thought the characters were pretty good. I would have also thrown Eddie in there as part of the Marion Pippin clan, um, just because he was part of the team. But whatever. I felt like he was just one of the elves that died early on or something. He just was so. Well, I thought he had a bigger role than that, but mm -hmm. that's just me. Um, I don't know about the precious analogy. I think if I had to pick a precious, it might have even been um, the thought of, um, how do I say this? The goal of Lopan to be um, 
uh, everlasting to be ruler of the universe. His drive and his goal for that led him to wherever it's wherever he goes and it's driving him. And it's not until he dies that that dies with him. Kind of like when Gollum falls into the lava, the ring goes with him. That, that's just me. Overall, though, I thought uh, I thought it wasn't bad. Uh, it, it was a supernatural story. Lord of the Rings is fantasy. You know, there are some parallels there. And I think that these movies were will be easier to compare than, say, uh, movies that aren't fantasy or supernatural or one of those elements. So uh, with all of that, I, I, I'll give you a solid C plus, bud. Well, one of the things I kind of struggled on, and you kind of making me see it a little bit differently, is Mao Yin really does represent the ring in this because you notice both characters, if you know Wang gets her, then he's happy and he gets to live his life happily. If Lopan gets Mao Yin, he becomes ruler of the universe. So she is something to do with her has to do with the ring. Uh, yeah. Jill, do you have any thoughts on yeah, that comparison? Uh, that's when you were saying that I always thought that you were going to say that, um, Yao Yin was the, was the ring, but with the whole Mary and Pippin thing, I don't, I don't think, um, Margo or Gracie was even remotely funny or remotely funny at all. I think the rest of it was really good. I think I am with Ken with, um, I will do a, um, B. Oh, B. He gave me a B minus. Oh, yeah. Then, yeah. You'll get, oh, okay. Oh, my God. You guys are too good to him. <laughs> and that was John's. <laughs> moment. All right. So, what do you guys think? You guys ready to rate this bitch? I think we're ready to rate this bitch. You want to rate this bitch, John? I could rate this bitch. How about you, Jill? Rate the bitch. Professor, how do we rate our movies? We rate our movies on a scale of one to five fucks. Five fucks is a movie that is cinematic gold. It is a movie you are ready to watch anytime somebody says you want to watch this movie. A one fuck movie is a movie where you just feel like that you have no desire to see it again. There's nothing you want to see again. You've seen everything you need to see about it, and you really couldn't care less if you see it, it never again. And what's a zero? A zero fuck is a movie where you feel like whoever it was that made you watch this, you owe me two hours of my life back. Give it back now. Or in other words, we just don't give a fuck. Uh, as tradition here at Three Guys in a Flick, we are going to allow our guests to go first. Okay. All right. So. <laughs> That's never happened. Okay. I know. Really? The guest always goes last. It's always been last. So really? he's, li he's lying through his teeth. Or right to your face. I mean, I am looking at you. So. Yeah. But I'm, right. gonna, I'm still going to go, though. I love it. Yay. I, I, I called her out and she's fucking going to do it. Yeah. Why not? Absolutely. Yeah. Kick it away. Okay. Uh, take it away, Joe. So this is the series of the 80s action movie. So then I'm looking at what the must-haves for the 80s action movies. So we do have a hero with quote, quotable one-liners. Yes. Kurt Russell. I wouldn't say he was the one and only hero, but he was there. Over-the-top villain, of course. But he's so over the top without his powers. Mm. Um, no montage sequence. That was kind of sad. A um, lot of uh, martial arts, which is great, but not a lot of like blowing up of things. Um, there wasn't a good chasing or anything like that. The other kind of stuff, I think a lot of it with 80s action is the music and stuff. That was all there for that. I think there's a definitely a different type of music style for 80s action films. Um, so I do think that it's not an 80s action film. 
And I never really thought that coming into it because it does have that kind of sci-fi type thing to it. So that kind of puts us in its own little genre. So I don't know if that's going to affect my rating much now that we've discussed that. But Kurt Russell is always a joy to watch. He he did all the characters, whether it was the, the businessman or his macho, the one-liners. Anybody else who would have done that would have done, they could have done a crappy job or a great job, but he... You know, he has that that thing in him that he can easily do it. His timing is perfect. Um, I did not buy the love relationship between him and Gracie. I just, that was not something that I thought, I did not like Gracie's character at all. Um, watching this now after seeing it, you know, I wouldn't say when it originally came out, it was definitely a lot harder for me to watch and bat, I remember I love this movie so much. I was just like, oh my God, this is the best movie. I was pleasantly surprised by it. But watching again, it's a little bit hokey. Things don't add up. I probably was too critical. Um, but it still has piqued my interest. Um, my son Colton watched it with us and he, you know, he's 15 years old. He thought it was great, you know, and for a 15 year old this time, you know, thinking something like that still great, still holds up. It really does say, hey, this is a good family film that people can watch. It's funny. It has all the different aspects in it that you're looking for in a film, humor and some romance, uh, kung fu fighting, which was very well done. Let's not, you know, they trained long and hard for these scenes. Those are not easy to pull off and it to have that sci-fi to it. Um, so with all that being said, I still am going to stick with my original rating when I saw it right after it was, uh, Three fucks. Three fucks from Jill. I love how you said that it's a fun family film with sex trafficking <laughs> and brothels. Yeah, and but, green, but they don't really go into that. Girls. What, what was its rating when it came out? PG-13. See? Still PG-13. Yeah, because they don't, because the thing is, is that it's happening, but at my 13-year-old self didn't really realize that, but myself now is like, wait a second, that yeah. don't seem right. Yeah. Okay. All right, who wants to go next? I'll go. All right, fire away, bud. Big Trouble in Little China is a movie that I have not seen since the VHS days. And it was something I watched a couple of times. And I thought it was a fun enough watch. And I was curious to see how it was going to play out again. And interestingly enough, I really think that uh, Kurt Russell pulls off Jack Burton, Jack Burton very well. And he's a very likable character. He, he's, he's a bit of a goof, but uh, I appreciate his brashness and his cavalier, devil-may-care attitude of whatever it is that he's facing in the crisis of the moment. I also thought that uh, Wang was a fun sidekick to have, and it was, uh, it was fun watching him uh, bring on you know, more and more badass you know, fighting skills. Kim Cattrall, her character, I thought, was uh, forgettable. She delivered her lines flatly, and I didn't feel inspired by her chemistry that she was trying to invoke between her and Jack. I, it just, for me, it wasn't really there. But uh, James Hong, I really enjoyed any time that he was on screen. He was really fun to listen to as he would deliver his lines in the way that he would. He made the, you know, the antagonist a really fun watch. And so whenever he came on the screen, I was always, hmm. And it made me feel good inside, you know, as we get to know more about him and this mysticism that, of which that he seems to be uh, a part of 
even though I didn't necessarily understand. So you're going to be immortal if you become mortal? Okay. Don't get that, but whatevs. Uh, I also thought that we had a reasonable story that was easy enough to follow courtesy of Wang telling us what we were supposed to be thinking. John Carpenter's sets, they were, uh, they didn't look extravagant by any means, but they certainly looked very uh, Hollywood stage-ish. And I was okay with that. It felt like a low-budget movie, but it's because of Kurt Russell's uh, delivery of Jack. It's what works for the movie. And even though it's not necessarily, you know, a great movie, I think that it's a fun watch. And watching it again for the pod, it was likable. And with that in mind, I'm giving this movie three fucks. Three fucks from the professor. All right. All right, we'll go next. So first of all, I'm going to start off by disagreeing with you, Don, and actually disagreeing with you, Jill, where you both kind of said that you didn't feel like this fix fits our action, our classic action criteria, only because just like RoboCop added in technology and robotics and still created a sci-fi action movie, this is an action movie that just added in Chinese mysticism and supernatural effects. It still had the martial arts. It still had the gunfights. It still had an early on kind of chase scene. Um, I still feel like there was plenty of action going on in this movie. It gave us an over-the-top character. It gave us some great one-liners. It filled or checked off a lot of our boxes. So I still feel like this movie fits our list. In Big Trouble... Kurt Russell created a memorable and quotable character. This movie is about a guy who thinks he's an action hero when really he's the comic sidekick. That's something you don't see in a lot of movies, that the guy who's the big build character is really just the comic relief and isn't the real hero of the movie. He's a legend in his own head. But that's a great thing about it. It makes This movie makes fun of itself. It challenges the typical action movie tropes in an entertaining way. It's sad that this movie did so poorly at the box office, as I would have loved to see more movies starring Jack Burton. I felt like it could have been a series of movies with that character getting caught up in different situations at different stops along his truck route. I hope that when Dwayne Johnson gets his, you know, gets the new uh, Big Trouble in Little China movie out that's going to basically be a sequel or a continuation that somehow they bring Kurt Russell back to reprise Jack Burton even if it's just a cameo or a short sequence they just bring him back so we get to see a little bit more of that character and where he ended up. This movie parodies action and mar- martial art movies so well as the action heroes stand on their own in a classic action movie style. The campiness of the film, maybe not appreciated back in 86, has more than earned its cult status today. While I love the over-exaggerated action in this movie, it is one of the biggest downfalls when comparing it to our other action movies on our list. I always enjoy watching this movie, but it's hard to count it as a serious contender for top classic actions movies because of its campiness. James Hong who has appeared in so many movies, I think you said over he has over 400 credits, is always a pleasure to watch. He owned the scenes he appeared in. Victor Wong is also a favorite, appearing in three movies I love, Big Trouble, Golden, China, or Golden Child, and Prince of Darkness. Dennis Dunn, 
while he did an okay job as the straight man in this movie, he did well to highlight Kurt Russell's comedic chemistry. And the chemistry between Kim Cattrall and Kurt Russell, well, as Professor said, that felt non-existent. Her inclusion in this movie felt like it was forced, only because they needed a counterpart to joust with Jack. And it just didn't work. So for all those reasons, I'm giving Big Trouble three and a quarter fucks. My turn. When we when we started this action movie nonsense, uh, we came up with this criteria, and we went back and forth a lot, actually, on what would make the list, what doesn't make the list. And looking back on it now, I think that this movie is too good. And one of the explanations I gave way back when was you have your action scenes and you have your in-between scenes and then more action scenes, right? In Big Trouble in Little China, there's maybe four action scenes, right? That's not a lot. And everything in the middle or happening in between these scenes is fun and it's well-written and it's well-directed and it's a good movie. I think this is one of my favorite John Carpenter films. I think this is one of my favorite Kurt Russell films, right? Does it have a recognizable star as the action hero? No, it doesn't. Kurt Russell is the sidekick. He's only billed on it because they didn't think that American audiences would go see it if they didn't have a recognizable star. Again, 1986, right? And if you look at the actors that were putting them up against, your Stallones, your Schwarzeneggers, your Van Dams, right? Those are... 80s movie action stars kurt russell is just a star you know what i mean so i think i think that there's a difference and if i had my way and we could go back and redo the list i think i would keep big trouble in little china off the list because again i think it's just too good and so now i'm at a i'm at a crossing point with myself right how do i rate this movie am i going by the criteria that we've set aside for these movies of course i am but on the flip side of that coin i can say that i really 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 enjoy this movie i borderline love this movie right this is this movie takes me back to when i was little the lines the characters just everything about it the soundtrack it's a fun fun ride when we started this and we said that we wanted to rate movies on how we liked them and criteria and however we rate our movies is however we do it. For me, I'm taking into consideration that it really hardly checks anything on this list. It does check some things. Don't get me wrong. It does. There is action in this movie. It's just not the kind of action that I was expecting for this list, I guess. But overall, Big Trouble in Little China is such a fun ride. I cannot deny that if I had to pick Big Trouble in Little China over the movies that we've recently watched, I'd have to pick Big Trouble. So for that, I'm going to give Big Trouble in Little China 4.25 fucks. That's what I wrote down. Did you? Mm -hmm. Is that what you were guessing? 4.25. I love it. With the professor giving it three fucks and our comic book guy giving it 3.25 fucks and myself giving it 4.25 fucks, this brings the average for Big Trouble in Little China to three and a half fucks, which puts it in the lead of our search for best classic 80s action flick. According to us. According to the three guys. Now, here's the big question. Hmm. 
We add Jack Burton into the fighting pit. Oh, he's done in like two seconds. I feel like with his it's not mouth, even, it's not even a fucking, it's not even a fucking challenge. I think with his mouth, everybody would kill him first before RoboCop. Oh, probably. Either way, he's going down. So to this day, Frank Dukes is still looking like coming out on top. But you know what? I would love to see. I'd love to see Jack Burton get in one shot. He pulls out his knife, he throws it, and it bounces off RoboCop. <laughs> yeah, well, that, and then he'd give that look, right? Like, oh, oh crap! Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, that is going to wrap it up for this episode of Three Guys in a Flick. If you want to know which movie we are going to review next, be sure to check out the website and any of our social media platforms. Speaking of which, hey, John, where can they find us? As always, they can find us at our website, threeguysinaflick.com, where we post all of our podcasts, our show notes, movie trivia, and anything else we feel like putting up there. You can also find us on all of the social media networks as well as any place that hosts podcasts. All right. Sounds good. We are a week removed from doing our panel at Emerald City Comic Con, and we had a room full of people. And if you were one of those persons in said audience and you're listening to the podcast now, we just want to say thank you. And thank you to everybody who showed up. We had a really good time. And, you know, we'll see you next year. Can I also throw out a special thank you to Ron Vega, who came from the podcast Wrath of Iothans. I believe is how you pronounce it. I'm sorry if I get it wrong. But, Ron, it was great to see you, and it was great to talk to you. All right. I just want to thank Zach, Ronnie, and... Oh, wait. Jill's sitting right there. <laughs> and wait, so is Ronnie. <laughs> Thanks, Zach. All right. So, for Three Guys in a Flick, I'm Don. I'm John. I'm Ken. I'm Jill. Checks in the mail, and thanks for listening. Delivers his load. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you, Jill. Thank you for laughing. <laughs> wang, 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 wang. Wang Chung. Wanger. Let's wang Chung tonight. Sorry. I fucking hate that song. Well, if there's oh, any 80s it. song that I fucking can't <laughs> stand, there's two. Every time you go away and wang chung. wang chung tonight. Yeah, keep it up, fuckers. I dare you. You know what? I double dare you. Sem- God semantics. God damn it. No, I mean, you're right. It's it's the trailer. The trailer is what he pulls. I fu- I'm fucking in the business. I should fucking know this, right? Where were you? Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm, I'm fucking just over sitting over there. here getting my fucking ass handed to me. Sounded like a fucking moron. Where the fuck is the truck driver? Right there. Sitting on saying the, nothing. Sitting on the fucking couch sleeping. <laughs> so don't give me any shit. I don't want to take any of your shit. Okay? I always sound so mean. No. Thanks, Joe. Yes. You know, I almost did it too. Yeah, do it. I almost fucking read the last word. Okay, fuckers, I heard you the first time. Do it. Go on. Oh, for fuck's sakes. And I'm shocked you didn't point this out. It's foreshadowed when he catches the bottle. You fucker, I was waiting for the end of the podcast. (laughs) And I was going to say, I think that we actually got through an entire podcast 
without John talking about foreshadowing. This is what happens when you communicate to one another. Had you told me that, I would have kept would it in that? the barrel no, don't and I wouldn't have fucking if shot it, it over the fucking happen. bow because I knew that he, as soon as I saw it last night when I was watching it, I thought John was going to fucking bring up the foreshadowing because he always fucking does. We always are on page, on point with each other. I know, not this time. Why do daddies always fight? <laughs> Ever since Jill mentioned it, this whole entire podcast, all I've been hearing in my head is everybody was kung fu fighting. Yeah. Or everybody have fun tonight. Everybody wang chung tonight. My life always has, what was it? Everybody wang chung tonight. Everybody have fun tonight. Everybody wang chung tonight. Everybody wang chung. All right, fuck off. Good night.